Hi, I'm Blaine Weaver. I'm the writer, director, and lead actor in Cut to the Chase. And I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 446 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, and music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have a great guest coming your way. Blaine Weaver is going to be joining us. He was the, or is the voice of Peter Pan in Return to Neverland, and in all the theme parks, you can hear his voice. And uh, he's been in many TV shows and movies and things, but he has a new movie out called Cut to the Chase. You've got to see this one. It is uh, one of those ones you're just, you know, white knuckled, gripping your seat in front of you. <laughs> it's a great film. You want to check it out. Uh, it is coming out in theaters, and then it will be on March 7th on Video on Demand. And then in August, it will be out on DVD. So do not miss it. Cut to the Chase. Blaine Weaver coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Also, we're going to be checking out March releases, what's in store for you in theaters and on Blu-ray and DVD, so stick around for that. And uh, you get a chance to watch the Oscars last night. It was incredible, that ending when they goofed up. I thought at first, you know, they were doing some skit, you know, <laughs> with Steve Harvey type thing, you know, and getting a joke out of it. But it really was true. They goofed up again. Uh, it's, I don't know what's going on with these things, but... Uh, Somebody's going to pay for this one, I guess. <laughs> but anyways, uh, that was kind of interesting. So let's get right into it. Let's find out what's coming your way as far as remakes in theaters in March on Remake Madness. Next on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness coming your way in theaters in March. The new version of King Kong arrives on March 10th as Kong Skull Island, starring Tom Hiddleston. Samuel L. Jackson, and John Goodman. And the live-action remake of Disney's Beauty and the Beast arrives on March 17th. And March 24th, you can look for the remake of TV's Chips as it hits theaters. And Power Rangers moves from TV to big screen also on March 24th. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies in March in theaters? Upcoming new movies coming your way in March. It looks like on March 3rd, Anna Kendricks will be starring in a comedy called Table 19, where she is a member of the wedding party, gets kicked out, but she goes to the wedding and she is stuck on Table 19, way in the back. <laughs> it sounds like a good, uh, a good film. Uh, it's going to be funny. Also, Sam Worthington stars in The Shack on March 3rd. And the sci-fi thriller Life flies into theaters on March 24th with Jake Gyllenhaal. And another sci-fi film comes our way called Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson will be arriving on March 31st. And The Boss Baby brings Alec Baldwin, Steve Buscemi, and Lisa Kudrow in this CGI animated comedy. And that's it for upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters in March. Next, taking you down to Sequel City, find out what's coming your way as far as sequels in March. <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Sequel City, well, not a whole lot of things coming our way in March as far as sequels. Uh, I'm sure, you know, as we start revving up for the summer season, we'll be getting a lot of uh, sequels. But uh, right now, not too many. We have March 3rd, Logan. It's going to be arriving as it continues the story of the Wolverine with you, Jackman. And let's see, on March 17th, T2, Train Spotting 2 with Ewan McGregor will be hitting theaters. And that's it for Sequel City coming your way in March. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD in March? TV on DVD coming your way in March. March 3rd, The Untouchables, The Complete Collection on Blu-ray. March 7th, The American Season 4, The Jamie Foxx Show Season 2, Mama's Family. Mama's Favorite Collection will be coming your way, along with Saving Hope Season 4, Suspect Season 5, and that 70s show, Complete Series, Flashback Edition. March 14th, Chips Season 5, Newhart Season 8, Pee-wee's Playhouse, Complete Series, and 6, Season 1, and Z Nation Season 3. March 21st, Death Valley Days. There's an old one for you. It's uh, Season 3, Collector's Edition. And the Dick Van Dyke Show, now in living color. March 28th, Archer, Season 7. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD in March? Movies coming your way on DVD in March. March 7th, Jackie with Natalie Portman. Moana with Dwayne Johnson. And on March 14th, it looks like Collateral Beauty with Will Smith. Fences with Denzel Washington and Passengers with Jennifer Lawrence will all be coming your way. March 21st, it looks like Assassin's Creed with Michael Fassbender. And uh, Live by the Night with Ben Affleck and Miss Sloan with Sting. And let's see, March 28th, 20th Century Woman with Elle Fanning. And Fassbender. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them with Eddie Redmayne. And A Monster Calls with Sergoyne Weaver. And Why Him with James Franco and Brian Cranston. That's it for Movies on DVD coming our way in March. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a peek at a little TV and entertainment time. TV and entertainment time. Well, it looks like Paula Abdul will be a series regular on a sitcom. And uh, that, of course, is if the pilot gets picked up. And she's going to be playing herself. And Fox has renewed Lethal Weapon for a second season. And Demi Moore has signed on to be a recurring role on Fox's hit Empire. That's an interesting one. And that's it for TV and entertainment time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's Celebrity Birthdays. Don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> 
Celebrity birthdays, March 1st. It looks like Ron Howard turns 63. And on March 2nd, Daniel Craig turns 49. And on March 3rd, Julie Bowen turns 47. March 6th, Connie Brighton turns 50. And on March 7th, Brian Cranston turns 61. And that's it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, we had one send in to us. And if you, a friend or a relative, are going to be having a birthday, be sure to send it to me so we can all wish you or a friend or a relative a very happy birthday from all the listeners all over the world. And we want to wish you a very happy birthday. But this week we had one come in, and it was for Brooke M. of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And on March 2nd, she turns the big 4-0. That's it for Listener Birthdays. Okay, want to wish all of you a very happy birthday. It's now time. Blaine Weaver is going to be joining us. You know him. You know his voice. He was Peter Pan in Return to Neverland. If you've been into any of the Disney parks and you hear Peter Pan, that's Blaine. He's the one that's doing the voice for that. And he has a new movie out. He's been in a lot of movies, but he's got a new one out, and it is is a good one. Cut to the chase. It's just a a, a white knuckle, get ready to, you know, non-stop type thing. And uh, you want to check it out because it's uh, coming out in theaters this week. And it is also going to be on video on demand on March 7th. And then in August, it's on DVD. So no excuse. (laughs) If you can't find it when it's in theaters, get it on video on demand. Then turn around and buy it. And uh, we got a lot of things to talk to Blaine about. Blaine Weaver's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is an actor, director, writer, and voice actor who is the voice of Peter Pan in Return to Neverland and the Disney Parks. He has uh, guest starred on ER, JAG, Chicago Hope, and many others. His latest film, Cut to the Chase, which he wrote, directed, and stars in, enters theaters on February 28th and on video on demand on March 7th. It's Blaine Weaver. Blaine, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hey, it's great to be here. Now, Blaine, I don't want to give... The worst thing I, I see is when people tell the, the complete story and ruin it for everybody. But I got to tell you, <laughs> I, I got to tell you this, is I will say one word about your film, Cut to the Chase. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. That's a good choice of words. I appreciate that. It, it, um, I enjoyed it very much. Awesome. Well, I mean, that's, it, it, it's this, you know, film noir, edge of your seat, popcorn movie, you know? And it's like, I love these movies growing up, and like, I, I just have always said that what I want at the end of this movie for you, that you go on this twisty, turny ride, and at the end, you're like, wow, that was fun. And uh, I feel like we've really accomplished that. I can't wait for people to get to see it. Without a doubt, you accomplished it. I'll tell you, it was like a roller coaster ride <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah well i mean that's what we're trying to do that that elmore leonard style of like you know action thriller with a little comedy and a lot of surprises you know mm-hmm. yeah now uh, of course i've had the opportunity to see the film 
and uh, you've seen the film, I'm sure, many, many, many times. <laughs> oh, man. Way too many times. <laughs> but um, give our, our listeners a uh, little synopsis about what Cut to the Chase is about and what, what your role in it is. Absolutely. Okay, well, um, Cut to the Chase is uh, this film noir-style uh, thriller about a uh, basically a deadbeat ex-con played by yours truly, uh, named Max. And uh, Max is never doing the right thing, and his little sister, who's uh, a district attorney in the small town that they live in, is always bailing him out of trouble. And then in the beginning of the movie, not ruining anything here, but she disappears. So Max has to step up for the first time in his life, and he thinks that she might have disappeared because of something he's done. So he goes into this criminal underworld of a Louisiana town to try to find his sister. And stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's all you can say. It's a real tough sell, man. <laughs> you have to trust me, though. It's interesting and fun and good. <laughs> it is. It is. It is a movie that you don't want to miss, and you you, you want to. Well, it doesn't matter. I was going to say it's a movie you have to pay attention to, but you you, you can't help but watch it <laughs> because yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, I mean, it's not one you're gonna. Oh, you're gonna check your phone and do this stuff. You're gonna watch the film. There's no question about it. <laughs> we start out about three minutes into it. We put the pedal to the metal, and we really don't stop until it all wraps up. Now, your cast. You have got a fantastic cast here. Yeah, I, I'm really lucky. I love these guys. Now, you, you know, uh, one of the one of the actors who uh, is in the film. Uh, all I can describe him as as the ultimate badass. <laughs> he says hi, and he, you know he strikes fear in you. <laughs> yeah, guess which yeah. one I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I'm guessing you're talking about Lance Anderson. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Lance Anderson of Aliens and uh, Terminator. I forgot about that and Millennium. But like he is just first of all an amazing character actor, mm. but he is one of the most intimidating people I have ever met. And I, I did a movie with Tommy Lee Jones, so I know intimidating. And <laughs> Lance is just, like, for as nice a guy as he is, you don't want to mess with that guy. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how, like you say, you say he's a nice guy, but, I mean, every film I've seen him in, I, and, you know, naturally I'm sure there's films he's done that he doesn't play that type of role, but he he just does it so well. He really does, and it, it's like he's so effortless in in his acting, you know. He's he's one of these really just talented, experienced guys that you just watch, you know, from the director's monitor, and you're like, wow. He just it's like he's just born to play this role, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, he has so much fun with it, and it's it's a little bit of a departure from like stuff that he's done before. But like, I, I'm just so lucky to have him. When you're gonna have a heavy, you don't get much better than Lance Anderson. Right. Oh yeah. Jeez. Uh... It's it's just amazing the, the way he can just you know just make you want to strangle him, <laughs> <laughs> or worried that you're going to be strangled by him. Well, that too, that too. <laughs> but uh, now, I take it since you wrote it, directed it, and uh, you know you star in it, uh, you may have had some say in the casting of these people. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like this is a. This is a, a real, basically, this film came about, I, I had just finished a movie called Six Month Rule that um, we shot in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is my hometown, um, and I was looking for a much bigger budget to do this uh, 
another crime film. And I, I tried for like two years to get this financing together. And finally, I was just like, you know what? What if I do something like really small and like go for like a micro budget kind of thing and just like lean on the, the quality of the script, and, you know, and make something more indie. Um, so I wrote this script specifically to be able to shoot it in Shreveport, Louisiana. Like we built it around actors that I knew that were local to the area and uh, locations that I knew we could get for free. And we built it to do it for something like $30,000. Wow. And then once we had some momentum going, like we were able to raise some more money on that. And, and any, any actor that we went outside of the local hiring kind of thing um, was, was a real benefit, you know? So we were able to get the uh, Lindy Greenwood, who's the star of Fox's Sleepy Hollow, you know, and mm-hmm. Aaron Cahill, who's, you know, most best known as uh, one of the Power Rangers, but, like, has this amazing resume. And then Lance Henderson. Like, uh, I wrote the part uh, of my little sister for Aaron Cahill. Oh. So every part I've, I definitely <laughs> had a say in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I take it you've worked with some of these people along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that. I mean, being able to work with the same people where you have a shorthand uh, for communication. I, I, I did a movie a couple of years ago called Favor uh, with Patrick Day, um, and it was it's really a two-hander. It's just the two of us really in this movie. And he was such a great talent that I wanted him to play Travis in this film. And Aaron Cahill was in Six Month Rule. We'd worked together before on that. And pretty much everyone else except for uh, Lindy and Lance I had worked with before. Hmm. So when, how long did it take you to, to do the actual writing of the film, the script? It was really quick. It, it really was. It's so funny how, like, some projects, you know, you'll spend a year on, and some will just flow. And uh, th- this movie had, when we set out to do it, I had the idea of um, a, uh, basically a, a deadbeat ex-con and his little sister who's a straight arrow. You know, yeah. and like him having to step up and and, you know, be the good guy for the first time in his life. Um, that was a vague idea. But once I decided that we wanted to shoot it in Shreveport and we wanted to keep the budget very low, it became really easy uh, because I was writing specifically for actors that I had in mind um, or locations that I had access to. Basically, I just made a list of all the assets that we had, all the people who would, you know, uh, travel down to Louisiana to shoot this movie with me and the people that I knew in Louisiana and the, it just flowed. And, uh, we, I finished the script in something like two months, I think. And, uh, by the time I finished it, we were already well into pre-production. And, you know, as the writer director, I, I also know that the script can always be improved. There's really not much of an ego as far as that goes. So having actors on set and everybody, you know, talking about the twists and turns was really helpful because we were able to, cut off problems, you know, and really know this movie inside and out. Like, you know, we, we have this huge scene that Lindy and I shot one day, and it, it took all day to shoot it, and it was literally just us kind of uh, explaining all the things that, how we got to this, you know, uh, decision, and, you know, what Max did here and here and here, and we ended up cutting the whole thing because it just slows down the momentum. But suffice it to say... We know every twist and turn of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so now, are you were you involved with like the editing and everything like that too? Well, totally. I my uh, editor is also a producer on the film, Chris Lyon, and uh, we would get together every morning 
and we would work for uh, about three hours until he had to run off to his job and I had to go off and do my life. Um, and we did it every single day, uh, but uh, which I think is the only way to really do it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's to really get in there and look at every single take and and really just drown yourself in the movie. Yeah, and it's uh, now the shoot itself. How long did that take? We shot for twenty four days in Shreveport and two days in Los Angeles. Um, so it was very fast, um, six day weeks. You know, it was brutal, um, and everybody in it, you know, like, worked for next to nothing. So it's a real labor of love. And uh, you know, I mentioned that we had shot it in my hometown. That had such an interesting uh, effect on the movie because everybody was helping each other out. Like, we had people who would just donate cars for us to use as, as prop cars, and uh, we had an armorer come in who's former military and, like, you know, was in charge of all of the, the gun work and did that for completely for free. And then we'd have neighbors that would make us lunch. <laughs> so it was like this great, like communal experience, you know? Yeah. Um, it, so it was, it was fast, but it, it was the smoothest shoot I've ever had. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, it being uh, low budget and um, I, you know, I've seen a lot of movies uh, for the show and everything. And I, a lot of low budgets look low budget. You know, I have to say that this one does not. I, I mean, this could have been, you know, a big release that was out, <laughs> you know, like anything else. <laughs> well, thank you very much. We we really pride ourselves in you know just because the budget's low doesn't mean that the product needs to you know you need to make excuses for it. You right. know what I mean? Um, Rob Senska, who's my cinematographer, is just incredibly talented and. He was my gaffer on this film, Six Month Rule, and uh, we just got along so well uh, on that film that, like, we started talking about the look and the idea of Cut to the Chase, and, like, I wanted it to feel like a comic book, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, to be, you know, you see the frames, you see the action, and, and we both had this great uh, response to that. Like, he, he brought in The Killing Joke, which is a graphic novel, Batman graphic novel, which I'm sure you've heard of, but uh, the opening frames of that, comic book is the joker in in shadow and he leans forward out of the shadow and you get your first real shot of him and he's like i'd love to do this with lance when we uh you know when we show him for the first time mm-hmm. i'm like ah what a great movie star entrance yeah. and from then on it was like every every day was about trying to make the film as cinematic as possible yeah and you did a great job i mean it really yeah. really does look good and um your I don't know, and I may use the wrong term. You're, I don't know if it's special effects or the the makeup people, the the ones that made everybody look bloody. <laughs> That's basically. <laughs> right. I mean, it's they did a great job because it wasn't over the top. It looked yeah. realistic, and and I don't know how you're even walking. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, they had they had such a tough job because um, basically very quickly into the movie, maybe about half an hour into the movie, um, I get hurt. And, like, my face gets bloody, and we had to recreate that for, you know, 70% of shooting. We had to keep adding more and more Mm -hmm. (laughs) damage. You know, like, I love, one of my favorite movies in the world is Die Hard, and I love how throughout that film he just gets more and more just beat to hell. And uh, so that we kind of did that with this, and my, my producer, Mindy Bledsoe, was like, she was just, 
so on top of it of like, all right, you don't have your jacket on anymore and your lips been cut, but your nose hasn't been hurt yet. You know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And it was a, as far as scheduling, just a nightmare, but I think everybody just did a really great job. And as far as how I'm still walking, I'm still not really sure. Um, <laughs> part of the things of doing an action heavy movie on such a low budget and, you know, uh, writing it as well. I was like, all right, well, I don't want to hurt any of my actors, obviously. I don't want to risk anything like that. So I'll just have all of the mayhem happen to me, <laughs> which is a great idea when you're sitting at your computer with a glass of wine and less funny when it's your fourth day in a fight scene in a row. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I do want to tip my hat to your, your people in the background, uh, you know, for everybody from the cinematographer to the, the makeup people and everything, because like I said, it, they did a great job. And, and, you know, a lot of times people just see the people in the front and, uh, you know, I think they did a great job with everything. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you, you putting it out there because you're right. It's like, and we always joke about it with, you know, with me, I'm like, well, I'm the writer, director, and lead actor, so it's like, if people love it, it's all thanks to me. If people right. hate it, it's all my fault. Uh, <laughs> but the truth is, you know, it really, especially this film, it really took a, a group of people that elevated the, the work every single day. And uh, my producers and my cinematographer and, you know, the entire rest of the crew, like I said, everybody worked for nothing just to try to make something special. Mm. Yeah, that is great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, tell me, um, how did you get into acting? Uh, you know, was it at a young age, or did you do it later in life, or what? Super young age. I was uh, five years old, and I was hyperactive, and my <laughs> my aunt suggested to my mom that I, you should channel this somewhere and put, put him in theater or something. Um, little did they know, like, I, I started doing theater at five, and I did four shows a year until I was 14. And when I was 15, I started going to, uh, you get your driver's license, or you did uh, at 15 in Louisiana. And I started driving to Dallas, Texas to audition for, um, you know, whatever they had there, whether it be commercials or TV movies. And I booked a couple of those TV movies and um, I ended up moving to LA and uh, I was doing acting and doing pretty well. I, I did that Peter Pan uh, movie that, it paid pretty well, and I was able to uh, buy a house and do all that stuff. And then through this process, I started writing. Um, I, I did this uh, Western with Matt Damon when he was writing Goodwill Hunting. Hmm. And I just thought it was so cool. Like, you know, he would get pages faxed back and forth from him and Ben back in L.A. And I got to read, like, an early draft of that script, and I was just so impressed. Like, he was so cool, you know? And uh, so, like, I, I wanted to do that. I'm like, I'm going to write, and I'm going to, you know, act, write a part for myself, blah, blah, blah. And then we ended up doing that. Me and uh, my writing partner, Michael Bacall, wrote a film called Manic um, that, uh, you know, IFC came in and financed, and they, they said, we love the movie, you can still be in it, but we really need a star for the lead role. 
So I stepped aside into a supporting part so that uh, they could get a movie star, and they got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which is not too shabby. No, it's not too bad. Replaced by somebody, <laughs> you know. <Exactly. laughs> it should absolutely be Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but um, that, like so, all of a sudden, I'm a writer, and that movie went to Sundance, and I'm a Sundance writer, you know, and mm-hmm. um, so I started writing a lot and doing it for hire and whatnot, and um, I had a really cool experience on that movie Manic, but I didn't get along with the director. And that experience made me kind of realize that, you know, maybe, maybe I should try directing. Maybe that's something that I would be good at. So that house that I bought with the Peter Pan money, I sold that and financed my first movie. Um, and that was it. And you know, I, that's, that was four movies ago. And now I'm a writer, director, actor type (laughs) (laughs) hyphen it. Now tell me something. Is it true, Blaine, that, uh, when, you were a kid, and you were performing in children's theater. The group was named the Peter Pan Players. Yes, absolutely true. And and then you and end up being Peter Pan. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like you know, Peter Pan Players, and then like one of my first roles as a as a seven or eight year old was Michael uh, in in Peter Pan. So mm-hmm. I got to fly as a kid, and I mean, it's just the most awesome thing in the world when you're eight years old to be on a harness and like swinging around the stage. You know. Pirates trying to kill you and stuff. It was an amazing, amazing experience. How did you get um, involved with the, the the making of Peter Pan? Oh, it was it was such a fluke. I mean, like so much in this in this business, like it's kind of like where you are at this particular. I was in the right place at the right time. I um, went to my uh, agents. I had a theatrical agent uh, who was you know sending me out for TV shows and movies and. I hadn't gone out much in the last couple of weeks, so I went in. You know, you want to show your face to your agent once in a while. And I was just like, hey, I haven't gone out for a while. Well, you know, do you have anything? And she scours her desk. I just remember there are all these papers on her desk, and she grabs something, looks at it, and she's like, here, you can do this. Go down the hall to voiceover and audition for this. And they were doing voice matches for uh, Peter Pan for a sequel. And in the original Peter Pan cartoon, in the 1950s cartoon, um, one of the Lost Boys, Cubby, uh, was done by, the voice was done by a man. So it was kind of like the character Goofy, kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. But it was a silly voice, and she's like, you're, you know, you go do this. So I went down the hall. They didn't know who I was. They said, sure, come on in. And I started auditioning for Cubby, and I just felt really self-conscious and silly. <laughs> so I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not comfortable with this. I, I, I can't do a silly voice, but I can do Peter. I mean, have you cast Peter yet? And they're like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, all right, great. And they give me the sides, and I auditioned for Peter Pan. And I left. I didn't think anything of it again. Six months later, the uh, <laughs> the voiceover agent at that agency called me and said, hey, Blaine Weaver, did you audition for Peter Pan here? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I did. And he's like, well, we didn't know who you were because we don't represent you. You know, you're on the theatrical side. But they want to call you back, and they've been looking for you. Wow. So, like, I went in and had one more audition at Disney, and then that was it. I've been Peter Pan ever since then, um, which is crazy. Like, if I hadn't gone in that day, nobody ever would have sent me out for it. Mm-hmm. And it's been the most consistent, and let's be honest, the most awesome job that I could possibly ask for. Right. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Huh. Now, <laughs> I, what else do you have in the pipeline? I, I, I can tell from your energy that you're not just sitting back here with a cut to the chase. There's got to be things rolling in your mind. I can tell. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's always something, you know what I mean? It's like, I am always about like, let's, let's get to the next thing. Like I, one of the things I'm really excited about about the coming weeks is, you know, cut to the chase comes out March 7th. And then 
I get to move on to the next project. And um, we're looking at uh, possibly a, uh, a creature feature horror film to be shot in Louisiana, or a, uh, I've got a, a, a comedy, a, a basically a, a kind of a mumblecore kind of comedy that uh, I'd like to shoot in Los Angeles. And uh, I, I also am an equity member and do a lot of theater, and I'm doing a Peter and the Starcatcher this summer, which is really cool because I get to play Captain Hook. In a movie, in a play about Peter Pan. I don't. I do other things other than Peter Pan, but, but right now it seems to be a theme. So is that going to be live action? Uh, yeah, it's live action. It's a it's a Broadway uh, comedy that is now going regional. So I'm doing a regional theater production of uh, Peter and the Starcatcher. Now, do you prefer being on stage more than being on film, or does it does it, it matter? You know what? It's kind of like writing and directing and acting you know it's like i love it all i really do and mm -hmm. i love being able to mix it up um like i i certainly i love film uh but i love being able to go and do a play because it, it really is it's great for so many reasons like doing a play is hard you know uh and there are a lot of things a lot of spinning plates up in the air when you do a, a live stage production yeah and you're only doing about 30% of that stuff when you're on film. You know, that 30% is the most important 30%, but, um, you know, you only have to remember your lines for, you know, about 20 minutes. <laughs> and then you can forget them and learn new ones. And uh, most of it is staying still instead of, you know, taking control of the stage and, you know, making it. Uh, it's just, they're different skills, and I love both of them. Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, Blaine, I know we're getting up toward the time of, of, uh, that we have here, but uh, I'd, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Taking us away from your acting and writing and cut to the chase and everything else you've done, when you sit back and relax, which I got a feeling you don't very often, but <laughs> <laughs> when you do, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past when you were growing up? And what are your favorite movies now and of the past? Well, you're absolutely right. I do not relax well. That is a, <laughs> that is a defining characteristic of me. Um, um, but when I do, I, I, you know, like as far as TV and stuff, I'm really enjoying this um, new movement on television of like things being linked together and being like a long form, you know, uh, book or movie. Um, I, I love stranger things. I love oh, yeah. breaking bad is one of the greatest things ever. And I could just rewatch it. Just go back and pick up the, that last season and watch it all the way through. Uh, I just, and I respect the, the discipline and the, uh, the abilities that are in that. And I, I mean, the West wing is my favorite show ever, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. um, all these long form, uh, that are using the television serial uh, in its best possible way, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, exactly, yeah. As far as uh, movies, uh, my favorite movie ever is Casablanca, and I think it's because of the script and because there's not a wasted breath in that film. And uh, I always watch that movie before I go into production on the script, and I'm like, is this script as tight as it can be? Are we talking about things that are either moving the story forward or building that character. And if not, that, that needs to go. Mm -hmm. Um, but a, as far as, as recent films, I mean, man, you know, where do you start? I saw the, I saw arrival the other night and I'm like, man, this just sticks in my head. I just really like the stories that, um, they'll take uh, a familiar genre, but give it a little twist and, and make it something extra special, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that, I, that, I guess that's it. <laughs> well, Blaine, everybody should go out, and uh, I know it's in, in uh, theaters on February 28th, a limited release. People that can find it, be sure to find Cut to the Chase, because it's a good movie. And on March 7th, everybody can see it on video on demand, and then later on in August, they're coming out with the DVD, and uh, you don't want to miss it. Cut to the Chase. Blaine, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and uh, good luck with the film. Hey, man, pleasure was mine, and everybody can check out, can pre-order Cut to the Chase right now if you go to cuttothechasefilm.com. There you go. Hey, I can't thank Blaine enough for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Blaine Weaver, big thank you going out to him. He's the voice of Peter Pan in Return to Neverland at the theme parks. He is the star, director, writer of Cut to the Chase, be sure to check it out in theaters if you get the chance, if it's in your area. Or March 7th, it's out on video on demand. Or in August, you can buy it. You can have it. It's a good film. Cut to the chase. Check it out. All right. Well, it's uh, been, uh, speaking of roller coaster rides, uh, things have been really crazy. And uh, like I said, last night at the Oscars, uh, we had some uh, little little turn of events that uh, everybody uh, wasn't expecting, that's for sure. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel good, did a good job, though. I think he did a good job doing the uh, emceeing for that. And, uh, you know, having those people come through from the tour group, that was kind of neat. You could tell that they were just uh, in awe of, of all these people they were standing in front of. And uh, that was kind of neat. So we kind of liked that. Well... I think that's about it. We're uh, going to have another great guest joining us next week. And uh, I get, just to give you a little hint, it's somebody from Cut to the Chase. So get ready for that. And, uh, you know, you don't want to miss it. Join me next week, too. So don't forget about that. And that's it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.